Thank you, Zolte. Why can't you have a common name like Newt? <laughs> it's a cool name. Nice to be with you. I'm Newt, and uh, indeed a friend of Peter, and glad to help share in this series from the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, and uh, I think he went away. Part of the reason was that this passage has so many verses and so many complicated theologies. It's John chapter 8. I was trying to figure out while I was sitting over here, what are my stories? How am I going to keep the tension of these 30 kids that were over here? And I, I came up with several of them, but uh, I won't share them with you because they're kind of silly, but I'm glad they're gone, actually. <laughs> Even though I love them and they were your children and grandchildren, I, I understand that. I was, uh, we, we got to live in Akron and love this place and uh, from starting in 83. And coaching pastors means talking about board and life and preaching and other things. So it's a good use of my experience. But enough about me, let's talk about both of us. This passage is, a, is Jesus Christ. Hello, that's important. <laughs> and it's in the Gospel of John which is probably the, the, the word written by his best friend. Now, I hope all of us have several best friends, and this one is written by John, who walked with him. What's funny to me, you guys, is that John called himself that disciple whom Jesus loved. I'm sure the other disciples read that and said, yeah, what about, you know, actually, I'm the pastor that God loves really no but he was he was always there next to Jesus Christ and was loved in a very special way so we're going to see what he said if you if you like to follow in a bible it's in John chapter 8 John chapter 8 and uh, it's it's a great passage for personal lives that we can figure out how to uh how to look at it for, our, for ourselves and see what it says for us. Gospel by John, usually with Jesus, were Peter, James, and John. Not always, but I mean, he gave them some special privileges. So today we get a special privilege to see what John writes. You have an outline in your bulletin if you'd like to follow. It's right uh, on the back of the handout. The good of an outline is you know right when I'm going to be done. I'm going to be done, when, kids, when we get right at the bottom. Did you hear the one about the, oh, they're gone. That's right. So John chapter 8, and we're going to start looking at, I wanted to show you a picture of windsurfing. I did that last week, and my wife took the picture of it. That's up in Lake Michigan. We get bigger waves than Lake Erie. Lake Erie has nothing but ripples. Now, that, I, that I windsurf a little, but not like that. That's in Hawaii, and um, it really is not a Photoshop. There are people that are that good and can stay ahead of that, but my always, I always ask, what happened to him next? And I'm not sure. But I do know what can happen to you next <laughs> if you don't walk in the light, and that's his big thing here. Uh, chapter 6, he... Jesus does the miracle of, of, of the feeding of the 5,000. How does he do that? Well, he just does it. When the Lord, I think Christ himself, or at least the Son of God, said, let there be light, there was light. <laughs> he doesn't have to have a committee to deal with it and to help him out. When he says something, do you believe this? It is so. If he says you're forgiven, it is so. You don't have to feel it, it is so. If you come the way described, and it's described in this passage. So the one who did that can feed 5,000 easily with one pizza and, and some fish. And it, there's food left over. And then after that, in, in chapter 6, he walks on water. Any questions? <laughs> and then he says, he's the bread of life. He fed with bread and fish, of course. And then he says... I am the bread of life. Hello? Who, who in the world would say that today? I am the bread of life. And people started thinking, uh-oh. Even his brothers and sisters went like this. You know that. There's some verses that say, 
Ah, what's, what's up with Jesus? In chapter 7, then, is the Feast of the Tabernacles. Now, we're not going to go back to Exodus, but kids, the Feast of the Tabernacles was a great celebration of God's gifts of life and what he does for us with food, but especially in worship. But one of the th important things was they had torches. I know if you're from Britain, torch is a flashlight. But they had huge menorah candles and torches on the top of the temple during the Feast of the Tabernacle. That's a very important thing to remember as we come to chapter 8. So that's the Feast of the Tabernacle. In, the, in chapter 8, some of you may know this, or if you were here last week, Brad did a good job of going through those amazing verses where the woman caught in adultery is there, and the Pharisees want to rock her to death with big stones, and Jesus says, stop it, you know. And because he says it, it is so, but with human beings, he also said, well, if you don't have any sins, you throw the first rock. And they dropped them. So would you, so would I. And then he says to the woman, a great truth that is the background for all of this, I think, I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. Work at your life, live in combination with him, go and sin no more. So pick it up with me, if you would, please, in verse 12. John chapter 8. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. <laughs> Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now get this, uh, the setting. Uh, it's hard to be there, and it's maybe hard to put yourself there, but probably standing outside the tabernacle, uh, probably with the torches, every commentator feels like these torches were still shining and, and, and blazing. He gets their attention, and instead of pointing up there, maybe he points up there, but he points to himself and says, listen, you guys, I am the light of the world. Any questions? What a statement to make. Seven times Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He just said last chapter, I am now the light of the world. I am the way and the truth and the life. Whoa. I am the vine. Find your strength by abiding in me and connecting with me. He makes amazing statements, and a couple times in life he just said, I am. I am. Not so we can fill in the blanks, but so we can remember that he is. Always has been. <laughs> always is. Always will be. So let's get it for living in Akron or Fairlawn or wherever you are every day. Jesus is the light and the sun. He could have he could have shown the flashlight for this woman to walk away from adultery. He could have. There's always an escape. He could have, he could have helped the Pharisees. He could have shined the light in their hip, hypocritical hearts and said, don't judge her, you got problems yourselves. He can help us follow the truth and be careful how we treat other people and whom we judge. He is the light of the world. He can change everything. But he just makes the statement, I am the light of the world. Now, there's a whole lot of commentary written on that, and one, and let's just digest them and say it simply. He's moral light. He's the light for right and wrong. He's a moral brightness. If as ladies and gentlemen and boys and girls and teenagers, you walk with him, you'll be a light too. But he'll be the moral light. Go with what he focuses on in the scriptures and by his spirit in your life. If you're connected, 
He's a moral light. Nothing was ever wrong with him. Even Pilate, uh, as, a, as the, the chief of the, of the Roman guard, said, I, 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 I think he stuttered, I can't find any fault with him. He could find nothing wrong with him. And by the way, when people say something about somebody well-known nationally who's supposed to be a Christian and is probably but has fallen, or somebody, a neighbor, or you just say, I know, but, but we're, our focus is Christ. He is the moral light of the world. I am the light. He is also clearly uh, for us the, the guidance light. You're walking at night, you need a flashlight, you need a torch. <laughs> and clearly, he's guidance. Thy word, the psalmist knew this a long time ago, is a light unto my path, a lamp for my feet. You ever read this? His way lightens the path, shows you how to live. He's good, he's proper, he's godly, he is fully God, but it's a light morally. And surely, one of the meanings is his glory. So to stand there and say, I am the light of the world, is to say, I can show you how to live, I can guide you on that path, and by the way, you see that sun? That's how bright he is. When we get to heaven, are you going to go to heaven? There will be no sun. This is an interesting statement, just kind of thrown in in the end of Revelation. The, the Lord Jesus Christ is the sun. <laughs> he shines with that kind of brightness. And speaking of grace and the song that we sang, Be Thou My Vision and Come Just As You Are, no one is taking a trip and planning to go to the sun. I think some of you may be on the, the, the course that's, I think they're going to circle the moon. Somebody's paying almost a million to do that in a small thing. Uh, Jenny and I are planning to go if the church will raise the funds for us. <laughs> No one is going to go to the sun. You get much closer and you're going to burn. I don't know if you believe that or if you can help me read all that into this, but it's a reminder, he is the light of the world and you can't go to him. He comes to us. And he shines just enough of this light in this world, living here a perfect life, so that people said, wow, Look how he loves. Oh, look how he treats the lepers and the children and the lost. He goes to the house of Zacchaeus. Nobody else who claimed to follow God would do that, but he is God and he does that because he loves me too and you. And he ended up at our houses. He's the light of the world, morally, to guide your life. And now we're going to see what he says about that. But that's the background for all the rest of these statements. He got our attention. I am the light of the world. Do you believe that? What's the darkest moment of life? Death. For all of us, the light goes out. We die. It's coming for everyone in the room. But he's the light. He could blind us all by coming here and shining with all his full glory, and no one could look at him, and we just say, what was that? What just went by? He could bury us with his goodness. He's so far above me. Instead, he comes and shines and grabs the arm of John and Peter and others and a lot of women and a lot of men and boys and girls and he, he said follow me now don't bog down in details like I just did but still to know when he says something like this he's the light for all religions you know most religions are simply the result of, of 
a committee that got together and say, let's, let's do this, let's plan this, or you do these five duties every day, or you do these things every day. And I grew up in a church where there was sort of an emphasis on duty. You know what I'm saying? Do this. Don't smoke or chew or date the girls that do. And they didn't mean it that way, but that's how you thought, I got to keep these laws, you know. Uh, laws about the Sabbath or Sunday, whichever they chose for that holy day of the week. Uh, I was taught by a Sunday school teacher that if I were in a movie when Jesus came, I wouldn't go to heaven. I came out of King Kong scared to death. <laughs> I did, and it wasn't even worth it. Uh, it wasn't that good a movie. But he, no, he's the light to show us. Committees think up ideas and rules. Jesus reveals the way. He's the light for all nations. What if, what if the leader of North Korea and Iran, and we have our perceptions of them, and our own leader, and we have our perception of him, we won't get off on that. What if they all obeyed the light? It would be a different world. But he's also the light for all Christians. And we would not fight like we do, and churches would not have havoc like they do at times if every man and woman and boy and girl lived in connection with the light. Do you do that? He's going to say how in just a minute. <laughs> I am the light of the world. And uh, the great reminder is he shines with glory, with guidance, and with truth for our lives and how to live. You can go near him. He came near us to make it possible. He's also the sun. And here, I, I, I'm going to look at a number of verses that say this. I am, verse 12 again, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Meaning you understand life. You have light about what the purpose of life is. And then he goes on in this long discussion. My verses are down to 59, but I'm going to pull out some of the conversation. Verse 18. And uh, here it says, I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your Father? Jesus answered, you know, watch this, this is very strong. You know neither me nor my Father, huh? If you knew me, you would know my Father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour, and you can't arrest Jesus if his hour to be arrested has not come. But what he's saying about the Son is that he as the son is sponsored by, okay, forgive the word, but in quotes, he's sent by the father and he's one with the father. And he's telling these people who say they worship God the father or God, I'm, I'm sent by him, I'm sponsored by him. If you really listen to him, if he's your father, then you're gonna listen to me because I've come to represent him. And by the way, here's with the next one, a picture of the Holy Trinity. I would now like to explain to you the Holy Trinity. But right after I explain birth and gravity <laughs> and the creation of the glorious universe that he made with one word, let there be light, let there be planets. Now he says, I'm one with the Father and he's sponsored by the Father. Look at verse 23. He says he's deity himself. He said to them, you are from below. Whoa, how's that for candor? You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. <laughs> So they said to him, who are you? Whoa. Jesus said to them, verse 25 in the middle, just what I have been telling you from the beginning, I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world 
that I have heard from him. He is one with the Father and with the Son. The Trinity is three in one, all perfectly God, all fully divine, all one person in themselves, three persons, one Godhead. Any questions? I can't answer them. But I could say he did it. He, that's who he is. So he's saying to these Unitarians, I came from the Father, and I'm fully God too as the Son. And part of what's in your statement of faith and what we believe is that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, fully God, three persons, one God, I can't explain it. And even to say, well, the egg has a shell and a white and a yolk is not quite enough because none of them is fully, none of you had shells for breakfast. They have different functions, and they, they are not the same. They're not fully egg by themselves. He is fully God. Okay, water, steam, and ice. Yeah, but you can only be one at a time. I said that once, and the guy, the physicist, came up and said, no, there's this. I can't even say it. I don't want to know it right now. And the status where it's both liquid and, and, and uh, steam at one time. Okay, but... Fully God, Father, Son, and Spirit. We don't live very far from Lake Michigan. We've been going there 56 years, and uh, on the beach where we go, uh, I, I get to paddleboard. That's where you stand up and go like this. And it's 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 more complicated. But if you just if you just stand on the water and start going like this, you'll go. And and then windsurfing, which is when you hold a sail, I showed you a picture of someone else who's really good. One day I was, the wind was picking up on the beach and I, I, I agreed on the beach uh, to help visitors there. It, it's for a neighborhood. And uh, I had greeted a couple who were from England. And when I came back from paddle boarding, the waves were starting up. And if you go straight into the waves, you can do fine. If, if you turn sideways in waves, it's really difficult. It probably knocks you over at least the first 100 times you do it. So I went straight into the waves and came back and came back in. And, and, and I saw this man looking at me and staring. And I thought, I'm going to teach him how to do this. I've done that to maybe 30 people. So I said to him, would you like to try it? And he said, I'll give it a go. He's from England either England or Serbia, I forget which. <laughs> he said, honest, he said it just like that. I'll give it a go, and I, holding the board for him, I said, now go straight into the waves, and, and don't go sideways, because it's really hard, and when you balance, and, and hold the paddle like this, and he just listened, and went like that. He got on the board, and the way he started out, I knew this guy, this guy is really good at this. He went straight into the waves, and then he started curving, and he started making circles in the waves. And I'm watching, and I'm thinking, I'll give it a go. <laughs> he came back in, and I said, you're good at that. And he just smiled. He went back to his wife up here, right over here on the blanket on the beach. The wind kept picking up, so I hooked up the windsurfer, and I went out. And uh, you can go way out and then came back, and I made it, and you hold it just right. And I saw him staring at me again, and he, I went over, and you know what happened. I said, would you like to try that? He said, I'll give it a go. And he came over, and I started explaining to him. He said, I got it. He got on the windsurf, uh, didn't do, he did a beach start, which means you just hold the sail with one arm and step on it, and I have to drag it up, and went out so fast, knew exactly where to hold it in the wind, came back so well on the waves, and people on the beach, I hope that it's my blue sail, I hope they think it's me. <laughs> he came back, and I honestly, I, he came back, and I said, you'll give it a go. I said, tell me more. He said... I'm a windsurf instructor in England. <laughs> and he is, and on the coast of England, and he was visiting some friends over here. I'll give it a go. Jesus came from heaven, was, was lamented by many people and doubted by many, 
but he gave it a go and he lived a perfect life. He never thought a wrong thought. He never began any sin or had to quit any sin. Children would run to sit on his lap. He ended up not only at Zacchaeus's house, but at yours and mine because he loves us and we're sinners and he cares for us. He's the light of the world who's also the full son of God, one with the Father and the Spirit, and he came here to show us how to live and to say to the Republicans and the Democrats in Washington and to the people fighting overseas and to the horrible spots in the world where there's killing all the time, this is the way I meant you to live. Now, we are not able to do his miracles like he did. We trust him and we pray for help and miracles. But we can live a life if we follow him and his light. Do you believe that? Is that your aim in life? You can live life just for your own flashlight and you'll make it. And you probably won't fall off a cliff. But you won't make the difference he would love you to make if you will represent him, his deity his light there's more he also says well look at what he says about his own power in verse 36 in ver 35 he's talking about slaves all of a sudden well I need to go back 34 truly truly I say to you everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin the slave does not remain in the house forever slaves temporary the son remains forever so if the Son sets you free, capital S, you will be free indeed. Here he jumps into something that he explains a lot more in Galatians, a little bit more here, and he says, I have power to set you free. Free indeed in Christ. Are you free from the guilt of your sin? Whatever you did in the past, you, he wants to make you free. You may think about it, but don't. Don't dwell on it. You're free. You're forgiven if you're in Christ. Are you free to do what's right? Are you committed to the light for your life? Don't go the other way. Don't, don't even take time to consider immorality or painful things to other people. He can make you free. Some of your friends think that following Christ is not freedom but bondage, baloney. Who's free? The train who jumps off the tracks and tries to go through the field? The car that forgets the highway and just goes through the woods? Who's free? The person who says, I can handle my own life, I don't need any help, or the person who follows the light of life? Christ, our Lord and Savior. Here, I think he's talking about his power. If the Son makes you free, you're free indeed. And when you believe in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord for your life, he frees you from the past. None of your sins will be brought up. They're forgiven. When Christ died on the cross, all your sins were nailed to him, placed on his soul, so that he cried out, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was because Newt Larson's sins and yours were on his back. He also cried out, it is finished, which means it is paid for. And when you put your faith in him, that death counts as yours. Whoa! And more, his righteousness, his perfect life, his light covers you when you place your faith in him. So he wants you to live here at Lakeside. He wants me to live wherever I live assured that my sins are judged and punished, assured that his righteousness covers me, covers you, and then live in that combination with Christ. That's not just saying, oh, Jesus lived. Oh, that's true. He's God. People say that, and, and then on with life. 
No, the demons would say, that's true. He's God. He died on the cross. The demon would say, he rose from the dead. I was there. I saw it happen. That's not salvation. Salvation is when you put your faith in Christ and say, he's my Lord, my Savior. And then I like this as a picture of Christian life. You live like this in combination with Christ. It's not you forgiven and a new way to live. No, it's you and Christ like a marriage, like a, like a spiritual union. He makes you free. And he said, if the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. Are you free? Are you free from the guilt of the past? Are you free from worry about what happens when you die? Are you free from guilt about yesterday? If you follow him and trust him, he said, if the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. Stay on the tracks. Stay on the highway. Follow his light. Look at verse 58. How can I explain this one? 58. Again, this is all one conversation, but... Um, in the background, he says, verse 55, you have not known me. These are the, uh, known him, the father. Uh, these are the Pharisees who were really proud about their church attendance and synagogue involvement. You have not known God. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you, but I do not know him and I keep his word. Your father Abraham, these were Jews, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. That's interesting. He saw it and was glad. Abraham saw the day of the sun. Huh? I'm sure he's confused them. The Jews said to him, How did Abraham see you? You're not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. To the Jew, if you claim to be God, you're going to die. So when he said, I am, write it in all caps, he was saying, I'm God. Why? Some of you may remember that back in Exodus chapter 3, when Moses was told to go to Pharaoh and do this amazing negotiation to free the children of Israel, Moses stuttering, Moses and Aaron went together, stuttering says, Who shall I, whom shall I say sent me? <laughs> Well, what do I tell Pharaoh when he says, why are you here? And in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14, God says, tell them, I am has sent you. <laughs> Jesus now says, thousands of years later, I am. So they picked up rocks to throw at him. He is fully God. Not a little less, not junior varsity, nothing wrong with junior varsity, but he's fully God. He is the great I am. He always was. Explain that to your children. He always will be. We're temporary in one way that we had a beginning, but now we will always be. You will never stop living. Everyone who's in this room lives forever somewhere. Attach your life and your spirit to the great I am, and you will never die, not be separated from God. That's real death. The moment you die physically in this life, you'll go to heaven, the real you. Your body later will be raised when Christ returns. And for the meantime, you can live for the great I am and in connection with him you'll never be I'll never be anything close to him but I'll walk in his light you can walk in his way and his power can help you do what's right 
Do you believe that? That's the Christian life, and he's trying to say to these very religious Jewish people, stop it. Your rigmarole, your keeping of laws so you get prouder, your habits that make you feel self-righteous, give yourself to me and follow me. I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. I am the way and the truth and the life. Follow me, he says. And you don't need my report to tell you these guys wouldn't do it. Will you? Not everybody wants that. You kind of smother your selfishness and ask for his help to do what's right. He's the one, the great I am, who said, let there be a universe. And as far as we know, by the Hubble telescope, it's 93 billion, billion with a B, billion light years across the universe. That would be traveling at 186,000 miles per second, which is hard to do. But light does it all the time. Traveling at the speed of light for 93, I'm not exaggerating, billion light years, 93 billion years, from one side of the universe, you'll get to the other. And I think when you get there, you'll say, wow. He's the great I am. And he made all of this. The mountains declare his glory. He's the creator of the universe. He made our children. He made our lives. He set something in motion. He gives color to it and makes it gorgeous. He does that for our lives in a smaller way and gives us grace and love. He's the great I am. Abraham worshipped him. Huh? Abraham saw him and worshipped him. Somehow, perhaps when he thought it was Melchizedek, it was really the eternal son. And you know what his greatest gift is? Life. Don't look at a baby and say, is she cute? Say, is God good or not? He's the maker of all this. He's the great I am. And he tells us to obey him. In this whole conversation, we see that many of them rejected him in spite of all these things that he's saying. For some, and I think this is true in Akron or Fairlawn or Montrose or wherever we are. I think we're in Ohio. Some, it's very active. I don't want anything to do with him. You have friends. Some, it's passive. They're not even sure what they're rejecting, but they say, ah, that's not for me. It's an attitude of the heart, actively rejecting him or just passively saying, I'll probably go to chapel service when I'm in the rest home instead of I want him from my, for my Lord. Verse 23, and you can look all these up if you take the outline home. He said to them, verse 23, you are from below, I am from above. Huh? You are of this world, I am not of this world. You didn't have to go to kindergarten to learn to lie. Nobody had to teach you to say your first four-letter word, mine. My older brother taught me. I don't think I was going to be selfish, and then <laughs> he gave me lessons. No, we're all from below in the sense of tied to our fallen nature and clearly slaves of sin. But Jesus answered them, this verse is so important, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Stop your lying. Stop your excessive drinking. Stop your selfishness. You can't do it on your own. Stop your... Let not sin from Romans, therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. We are sinners. We are from below. We are attached. I don't get this, but I know it's true. We are attached to an evil world, and then if we don't believe, we stay attached 
to Satan, to the fallen world, a tough doctrine. Sometimes if you're talking to someone about Christ, you, you see a blank stare and they change the subject. Don't say it like Jesus did. We don't have that position, but they are from below. Don't give up. Keep showing love. But I think you don't, you don't, you don't take that conversation any further right now. There's other verses, I'll just read them. He said in verse 39, you, or 34, you're the slaves of sin. It means if you keep sinning, look at 34, Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. You know that. You lie once and the next time's a little easier. You gossip once and you don't mind, I don't, don't tell anybody this, or just tell three people. Or you start a habit with addiction. How many people are now addicted in America? It's growing in Akron. Opioids and all kinds of things in addition to alcohol. Jesus said, you're the slave. I'm a slave to sin unless I abide in Christ who makes me free and you too. Is this the Lord you follow? This is not a weak Jesus, meek and mild. This is not a baby in a manger. This is the Lord of the universe. He says to them in verse 39, you don't even hear from God. And uh, that's part of the conversation. If you were Abraham's children, you'd be doing what Abraham did, which was living by faith. But you seek to kill me. Later, he says, you claim God as your father. Everybody claims God as their father. Every religion of the world says, we're all different paths going up a different mountain. He says, God is not your father. In 42, he says, you don't really love him. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not on my own accord, but he sent me. When you love Jesus, you love the Father. When you love the Father, you love Jesus. You don't get a choice. But some people do not receive him. George Orwell uh, writes an, a little essay. I think it's a good picture. And he said he was at a picnic and that there was a wasp on his picnic uh, dish, the cardboard dish, sucking jam. <laughs> forgive me, he sliced the wasp in half and he writes, the wasps kept sucking jam but now it was squirting out the back. Sorry to do that just before lunch. But then he said this insightful statement, the wasp did not know he was in trouble until he tried to fly away. He had no wings. There are friends of yours, or you may be among them, who don't think you're in trouble. You're doing fine. The income is good. Maybe your health is fine. But when you try to fly away, when you die, one of the great I am's was, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. John chapter 11, coming up. Do you receive him? Do you follow him this way as Lord and Savior? Thankfully, I can say Jesus is the light and the sun rejected by some but received by believers. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life. And that can be my life and your life as we follow him. Way back in verse 12, again, read the conversation sometime soon. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have light. Light from his word. Light morally. Don't do that, Newt. Don't do that. Light from his glory. When I see a rainbow or the sun or a child, I see his amazing ability. That's the way to live. And when you believe in him, you have the light of life in your life. Is that you?
that's more than this salute that the demons do. That's more than saying, yeah, I even go to church once in a while. That's following Jesus Christ. One time I saw a t-shirt, and it said on it, personally, I have abandoned my search for the truth. That's a sad statement. And if you're not sure yet, keep going. He goes on to say in these verses that those who believe him love him. Those who believe him follow him. They keep his word. He said, I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. Those who receive him, is that you? Your father is God for the rest of eternity. You're in good shape. Now follow him and his light for your daily life. In Romans, thanks be to God that though you were once slaves of sin, you have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you have committed. Is that you? Keep going. Keep growing. Romans 6.18, having been set free from sin, you have become slaves of righteousness. You want to do what's right. While I was studying this, I started about two weeks ago. In the background on my music box was, Jesus, what a friend of sinners. Just as I was on this point of when you love him, he frees you. You keep his word. He helps you. And I thought, how appropriate. What a friend of me. What a friend of sinners. What a friend of people who have blown it for years. What a friend of Jews. If they would have listened to him, they would have found a new life. I am the light of the world. For me, maybe not for you, I love Oregon, and one of the most moving parts of John McCain's funeral was when they played, and I think someone sang, It is well with my soul. These Jews who wanted to stone him, and many Jews have found him as their Messiah and Savior, but these did not. They wanted to stone him, but they found no wellness in their soul. They went away to their own scavenger hunt to figure out how to kill Jesus, who when they did, conquered death in three days. Is he your Lord? and your Savior. The risen Christ, there's a tomb that's empty, but now he lives with us in combination until his return. Trust him. If this gives you assurance, all these lists say, thank you, God, and never take credit. If it gives you doubts, look at the verses and follow him and receive him. <laughs> What's this about forever? Some of you Sunday school teachers know this is actually a true story. I've heard it many times. And the teacher asked her Sunday school class, what has four legs and a bushy tail and hops from branch to branch? And a little girl in the class said, it sounds an awful lot like a squirrel, but it must be Jesus because everything at church is Jesus. And that's true. He's the light of the world. He's the Son of God. Who will show us how to live and how to be what we're meant to be as people, free to do what's right? Jesus said, if you follow me, I'll make you free. It must be Jesus. Who will deal with our mistakes and our flagrant sins that we have done? And we've all done them, selfish things. Who will, who will take them away from us? Isaiah said 700 years before he was born, all our iniquities will be laid on him. When he died, he took all our sins and paid for them. Who will care for our mistakes and our sins? It must be Jesus. Who will live with us and give us strength for the day and, and help us stop being so doggone selfish and rotten inside? 
He said, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you'll ask for help and I'll give it to you. And I'll be your light and your savior. Who will help us how to live, know how to live and give us strength to do it? It must be Jesus. Who will deal with this perverted world that's so selfish, starting all around here and in Washington and in the nations that probably will still go to war? Who will deal with that? He said when he comes back, all the world will know he's Lord. The trees and the hills will clap their hands. The mountains will shake and the oceans will roar. The choirs will sing in the heavens that sang at creation and the angels who sang at his birth and at his resurrection will sing again. He's back. He's back. He is Lord forever. Who will deal with this perverted world? It must be Jesus. It is. Let's pray. Thank you, God, our Lord, our Creator, for your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Creator. Please help me, help us follow him and obey his light. As you pray, if he is your master, your Savior, because of what he did on the cross and with the empty tomb, just thank him. And if you're not sure of that yet, won't you ask God to make it clear to you how this can be true and what it means to obey and follow Jesus Christ. God, please hear us as not out loud, but in our own hearts. We say again, I am committed to Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior and my hope for this world and for my life. Thank you for hearing us. You are our fortress. You are our portion for this life, what really matters. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.